Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most five-thumbed podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George DeBrell. This is a show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show, I have a writer of, on many different formats. So Sydney Morning Herald, you've written a kid's book and a cookbook. You've got a whole bunch of podcasts and you DJ and you're a dad. Andrew Levins, how you doing? Good. You, you can take a breath after all that if you want. And I've, look, I've wrote it down, so I was reading it as I was going and I was like, I should have put in a breath break somewhere in here, but it's... Uh... <laughs> There was for for about a year. It was like okay to just call yourself a slashy, which is the worst worst description of anything. It's like you know, if you have a lot of slashes in your title, you you can call yourself the, the, you you've earned the honor of calling yourself a slashy. I, I don't know if I yeah. love or hate that, that. I can't do that anymore because everyone will be like, "What the hell is a slashy?" I don't know. When was that? I don't remember this period. Where you could call things a. Sl- it sounds so bad as well. I got to be honest. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's very millennial, isn't it? Um, but. Yeah, look, the slashes, as I get older, the slashes just keep stacking up because I refuse to, I, I, I have like ADD, so I'm always adding new things that I'm that I'm also doing in my life, but I refuse to let go of the old ones. So, technically, I'm, you know, all those slashes are necessary. That's not bad. And and also, like, looking at it, it seems like you, you, you have legitimate claims to each of the slashes as well. You know, like, it's in some people like, oh, I'm an influencer, blogger, a, a part-time chef, a model. It's like, you don't do any of these things, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, like, yours are all, like, they seem to be pretty legit. I'd yeah, say. look, if you, if you stack all of them up together, they almost cover a, a, a decent income. <laughs> Outside of COVID. In any other yeah. year, they're a great income. <laughs> <laughs> that's, as you were just telling me before we started, uh, when you say DJ, you're like a proper DJ. You've done, you toured. That was George, by the way. Uh, that's That was George being unprofessional and not putting his phone on mute. That's not me. I just want everyone to know, not me. Uh, as, as George pointed out, a professional podcaster would never, ever unmute my phone after hitting record. I- Look, I've got a theory that my phone is playing up because I never unmute my phone ever, but recently it just keeps being on not mute. So I think the button's loose or something. <laughs> That's my excuse. It just sounds like such a crappy excuse. All right, it was me. I'll own it. All right, I'll own it. Yes. I've got no respect for the medium. <laughs> <laughs> Your own medium. <laughs> yeah, my own medium on my own show. Well, thanks for pointing that out. Levin's fine. <laughs> I just to clear the air. I don't want you know you to get swamped with emails being like Levin's. I was disrespectful to the medium of podcasting because I would never be that. Okay, well, I love Mark so Maron. Very, 
Lock the gates. But by doing that, you're really highlighting that I am that. <laughs> so we could have just let it all go. No, never. <laughs> never. Okay, right. Well, look, I know where I stand now. This is a war we're in. But yes, to go with what I was saying before my unprofessionalism reared its head in a more audible format. Usually all that stuff happens behind the scenes and I edit it out. But yeah. The, um, you can't now. Yes, the pod- it's, it's part of the uh, the, the ongoing narrative. I know you're gonna do. It, you're gonna mention it twice more in the it's whole canon. show. So then I definitely can't. Yeah, it's canon. <laughs> oh, but that's so. But to go back to the point I was saying, <laughs> I love canon. Is such a you know. I feel like most people outside of geekdom don't really appreciate the phrase canon or what it is in general. I don't know. Do you ever interact with? Like, I I know for a fact that so, most of the people in my WhatsApp group of mates from school and stuff, none of them would know. What how how often is. are you calling things canon in the in the WhatsApp mates group? Very rarely. Okay. So maybe maybe that's on you. Maybe it's up to you to teach them. Maybe it's up to all of us every day to teach our mates in the WhatsApp group what canon means by referencing it constantly. Do they, do they need to know, though, for most people? I mean, I don't know, but yeah. What, what, what if they were doing a podcast with me? Do you mention canon frequently in your podcast? I would probably more than most people, definitely. Yeah, I'm getting that vibe. I'm a comic book like loser, and so canon is so important. Okay, well... You know what? I've got to go down this path. We'll talk about the DJing in a bit. Okay, with Canon, right? This is something which I've become like a bit obsessed with because like I just don't think it matters that much in terms of – it's like continuity or plot holes in a movie or something. It's like it only matters when the thing itself is bad. But if you're doing it in service of something where it's good, then it's like whatever. You know what I mean? Like as in that consistency becomes less relevant. I I am talking probably more about – shorter form things than the comic book industry. Well, no, I think it's like when you have like multiple uses of the one license across different mediums. So, if you have like, you know, say there's Avengers movies, there's Avengers comics, there's Avengers video games, there's Avengers short stories, there's Avengers junior novels, um, but they all maintain their own continuity and like, yeah, I guess we, we, I don't know, with comics and stuff like, you know, with like characters dying and having, you know, children that were part of a different universe, but now they still exist. So that's technically still canon. I don't know. I, I, I like, I, I bring it up a lot because I think it's funny. Um, I, it's I, I'm, I'm with you. It shouldn't really matter. A good story is a good story. But um, I think uh, it is one of those things that like nerddom, uh, you know, puts such a huge amount of importance on. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, as in, uh, yeah, especially if it's a minor detail. If it's a major one, then like, okay, that's probably relevant because it affects. But if it's like little things, it's like, who cares? It's yeah. Not, yeah. It's like obsession with plot holes and stuff or like, yeah. I actually realized this recently. This is this is, this is is movie-based talk, but I re- re-watched uh, The Dark Knight recently and I realized that the Joker's plot in that, his plan is almost as ridiculous as Lex Luthor's in Batman versus Superman, but no one makes fun of it because the movie's good. So like as in- the contravance required for the things to happen as they work. It's just as silly in terms of the depth of ridiculous circumstances you need to be in place to get there. But yeah. And, and like, like watching cares. a, watching <laughs> a 20 fun. minute YouTube that points out the flaws of Batman v Superman is endlessly entertaining because you're like, fuck yeah, dunk on the thing I already don't like. But when it is someone really like pulling at the strings that you didn't notice were there because you were enjoying something, you're like, Oh, give it a rest. Who cares? You know? Yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever, man. It's like, fuck, it's good, all right? Like, there's the CinemaSins <laughs> yeah. videos, which is like, you know, they'll, they'll, they just do it for every single movie. And I feel like some movies don't don't need that level of scrutiny. You, sh- you should just dunk on the movies that, that most people think are bad. Yeah, well, well, that's the world of content creation, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> we will destroy everything. We will review everything because it's Tuesday and it's this week and we've got to do it, all right? It's Tuesday, you Thursday. Rename your podcast Book Sins and just have you like just like dinging, dunking on books. Dunking on books. I've like, here, this is the problem with books <laughs> versus everything else. <laughs> no, That's no please often- call it Book Dunk. Book Dunk. Welcome to your weekly Book Dunk. <laughs> book Dunk. We dunk on books every week. This is a slam dunk this week, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a. Uh- Look, I think the problem with books versus like movies is obviously because of the time commitment and stuff required and the variation. Uh, so people would, nowhere near, no one's consuming anywhere near as many books. So in general, what I found is one of the issues with everything is like there's just not that shared understanding across that much of the medium. Like uh, I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, but no one has read the same books as anyone in terms yeah. of like, well, I, all I, the I, same. I, Everyone's different. Everyone's just got these Venn diagrams crossing over, essentially. I had a, a weird relationship with books. Like, obviously, I think, you know, most ki- kids who end up being podcasters, I think, were obsessed with books when they were young. <laughs> like, and, and my son now, who's six, like, he did MSN, MS Readathon this year and um, he read- he, He's reading junior novels now. Like, you know, he's reading all the Roald Dahl novels, the Paul Jennings books that I grew up with, plus the hundreds of other junior novels that have uh, that have been popular since then. But he's like, you know, he, he's so happy just to like lie down on, on his bed and spend half the day reading reading book after book after book. But I think it's so easy to when you are that age because, like, you know, you want to you you're every time you read a book, you're learning stuff. You know, you're learning new words and you're figuring out what those word mean words words mean just by the context that they're used in, surrounded by other words that you are familiar with. And I think gradually as you get older and you discover like all these other mediums that you that you like, you know, like from movies to music to to comic books and things like that. I, I hit a point where I think in one year. Like I was probably averaging reading like maybe like one to two novels a month, and I I think I read like four or five books in a row where I hated them, but I didn't realize I hated them until <laughs> like the last third or a quarter, and then by that point you're okay. just like, oh, I have to finish this shitty thing now. Books are a really rare medium because I mean, thank God there is a, a the level of criticism that there is about you know you know, and there are book lists of recommending stuff, but you know I was such a seeker out of like weird things that my friends weren't listening to or watching and if you if you rent a movie that no one's heard of you know you're going to waste what two hours of your time but if you buy a book that you haven't heard of like for one like yeah like the 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 weirder books that i wanted when i could never find them at the library i had to go out and find them and actually you know buy them and they were mine forever and i was like cool no one's ever heard this book it looks cool it's vaguely about music um this seems like a good novel for me and then like oh man this sucks and it i read it every night for the last fortnight that's my entire fortnight of entertainment wasted, you know? So, I um, I, I really was on like, I was like, fuck books for a while. And then- uh, <laughs> That would happen. Then I um, then I got into comic books. And so, um, comic books like became, like I have, I have Serious Issues, which is a comic book podcast that I do twice a month on Sans Pants. Um, I've been doing it for like five years now with my friend Siobhan Coombs, who works at King's Comics in Sydney. And- uh, yeah, I remember, like, I always grew up, like, liking, like, arty comic books, but I never really read superhero stuff. I felt above it. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. I, I, did, I just, like, yeah, my friend Angus, who I do, Hey Fam, my other podcast with, also on Sans Pants, uh, he lent me a bunch of Batman comics um, just after The Dark Knight came out. Um, and actually, I was critical of that movie when I first saw it because, like, I just didn't... I love the Burton Batman movies. I, I actually, I love the Schumacher Batman movies too. But beyond that, I had no <laughs> kind of like love for the character or the 
all the you know the, the genre of superhero comics and then he just you know he gave me that holy trinity of batman beginner books you know your year one your uh, dark knight strikes again and um killing joke the dark one. of yeah. the, of those three i think the only one of those books that i would ever read again is probably year one um i don't really like killing joke or dark knight returns anymore but um well, actually, having said that, maybe I would write. I, yeah, I think Killing Joke is the only one that I don't think I'd bother rereading. I think it's fun is that to read. When you're, you're, it's fun when yeah. you're in your early twenties, and then you're kind of like, "Oh, this is kind of gross." Whatever. <laughs> it's problematic, I guess, in some of the content. Yeah, you know, I, I, the art is amazing. Is it Brian Boland did the art in that one? I think. Yeah, it's it, it, look. Having just dunked on it in in your famous uh, podcast book dunk, um, I uh, now I think maybe I could return to it. I'd probably enjoy it. I'm sure I would. But it has got. It is one of those ones where, like, you know, you broke the rules of book dunk, bro. <laughs> Never undunk a book. Everyone yeah. knows that. Um, but yeah, no. So comic books, because it is that smaller time investment. But if you want to go all the fuck out, there's so much more time that you can invest in an ongoing story, especially when it comes to like superhero comics or like manga. I think you know because I want to do. I want to dedicate my time to long form storytelling, um, and I think yeah, comic books just they, they really they really sunk their teeth into me, um, and uh, I, I got hooked proper like about a decade ago, and so that's pr- right. predominantly all I read. And so when you were like choose a book, I like you could pick the comic book. <laughs> yeah, but I, I talk about comics like, all the time, and uh, uh, okay, I want right. to prove to people that I can read books without pictures on them. Um, but the caveat <laughs> to that is when my wife forces me to read them. And so that is uh, how I read the book that I chose to talk to you about today. Okay, let's before we move on to that, let's do just for the com- people who do interested in comics. Well, first, you've got the serious issues. I'll put a link in the description. But also, um, right now, best anime manga thing to read. Um, off the top of your head. Okay, if you like, like a graphic novel. If you like big dumb um, fighting manga, like you know your Shonen Jump, like uh, you know Dragon Ball, One Piece kind of stuff. Like I, I love all those. But there's a new one called Jujutsu Kaisen, newish, like two years old, and it just got um, adapted into an anime series. Um, and it is like you know it's one of those ridiculous fighting books, but it has so much heart and uh, has just crazy stakes where like a character that you've spent the last thirty chapters with will just suddenly die, and uh, there's no takesy backsies. Um, okay. so, uh, yeah, it's just like that. That's the, okay. It's very permanent. Um, yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen. Very, very sick. Um, I mean, I'm, nice. I, uh, I read so much manga. Like I actually, I started a series and fin- yesterday and finished it today. Um, <laughs> which is called, I think it's, there's two, it's trans, it's either called, um, trail of blood or blood on the tracks, depending on which part of the world it's been translated to. Um, but it's a, like a horror book. Do you know, like Junji Ito, the, um, Japanese horror Mangaka, he's nah, sick. I don't. He's really Sorry. good. Read Junji Ito. This is why you, like, this could be the next hour. Just me recommending things I read because I read okay, so much. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I'm gonna have to put the brakes on. I think. But uh, like, like, <laughs> I was like, like, oh, what have I just revealed? I know, but like the, the um the 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 like how I said earlier, like you know, I I love long form storytelling and I love like really niche stuff. Like I loved I read comics I, I, to the point where like I think at the at the height of our podcast. Siobhan and I were reading like 50 number one, like 50 brand new issues of comics every single week. And I burnt out on like the Jesus. superhero format and then like like immediately went into manga. And like that is like, that's pretty much all I read now. Um, all right. Like, so, that, so 
Yeah, like so, like you know, things that everyone knows of about like you know, Full Metal Alchemist or One Piece or like you know, Shonen stuff or shojo stuff, like for girls, I like that too. That everyone knows about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows that shit, um, and every single person uh, knows that shit. But then I like I, the nicheest thing I love is like there's a um, a writer called Nobuyuki Nobuyuki Fukumoto, and um, he specializes in gambling manga, and I have no interest in gambling whatsoever, but for, for some reason. He will write like 350 chapter long series and like 200 chapters alone will be based around just one game of Mahjong. And every chapter is about like, oh, what goes on in the minds of these players as they move one tile, one place. And like, it I mean, sounds so unappealing, but I think that's the the, the skill of like manga is like, it's it just like, oh no, this thing that you didn't think you'd be into at all. You're actually obsessed with it now. You're welcome. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot as a thing, actually, because that's a, that's actually, I think a lot of, even if it was literary who's listening to this would be like, oh, that actually sounds, that actually sounds like an interesting sort of take because uh, obviously that's, that sounds quite cyclic. It's, yes. You got this picture of anime uh, even as being like quite silly and big and dumb and superheroes in comics and stuff. So people don't really realize how much depth and nuance there is in. Oh, in absolutely. Genre, I guess, like I, I something think you talk about all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think comics and manga, like uh, over the last, you know, decade, I, I've definitely realized that's my favorite medium by far um, of entertainment. Like, oh, I mean, I, mean really? I, I don't really count music because music you can do passively. But in terms of like sitting down and 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 you know enjoying a story, I think the best way to tell a story is is with the combination of words and 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 pictures and the fact that you can read it at your own pace. You can like belt through the story like next chapter, next chapter, next chapter, um, or mm. you can like slowly take in all of the like the inks and the and the and the colors and the and the expressions on all the faces in the like from panel to panel i think comics are really unique like that and uh i think there's it, it, yeah. it's I, I i actually don't like anime anywhere near as much as i do like manga because i find it's so slow whereas manga it's like yeah i guess you know if you told if you stretched out this one chapter it could be it could be, you could make a 20 minute episode but i read it in in three minutes you know and then like I, I'm, I'm through that fight on to the next one like it's it's the best i just love the the the, the joy <laughs> it's got <laughs> on here. but I, actually it's part of the because i i do love trying to understand at least mediums even if i don't not fully in it currently trying to do that with poetry actually but the one i read a book recently uh well, it's a while ago now it was called understanding comics oh yeah yeah sure you know that one? Yeah, yeah i think i think it That's- might be on one of the one of my shelves behind me um, but that's the thing. It's really when, good. As soon as people know that you like comics, instead of buying you comics, they buy you books about comics. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I already like and understand these. You don't need... Okay. <laughs> Maybe you should well, read this. <laughs> it's true, actually, because I think anyone who doesn't like, at the very least, you'll appreciate what it is more because it really goes into the details about like, yeah, like even placement within a page, mm-hmm. the inks and the coloring and all that stuff. Like, the, the gap between... Squares he goes into for ages, like it's 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 really interesting because you, do you go, read. Oh, okay, do you read many comics yourself? Uh, not like I I dabble. I've got a like I've got a one shelf of graphic novels in my. What? Tell me place. some. Tell That's me some it. graphic novels on that shelf. Again, it's very cliche stuff. So I love Superman's my favorite superhero. So hey, check it out here. Like, I'm gonna pull this off the wall for you, right next to me. Here we go. The Superman. Oh, nice. A Frank a quietly print all star Superman. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's the best, uh, right? See, I do know that one. It's yep. the best. So good. It's got a, yeah. So, okay. So, that that's the also Superman. If anyone's already, that is such a- I love that graphic novel so much. But uh, any one of his- Even the more recent one, uh, American Alien, that I thought was really Yeah, I good. enjoyed most of that. 
Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and then I've got like uh, Why the Last Man. That's another one. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughan is Run. a definite favorite writer. Yeah, and then uh, because I've obviously I'm a literary type, so I've got to be doing uh, Neil Ga- Gaiman and uh, Sandman. Sandman, yeah, I've got so, Sandman cool. series. All these things are on my shelf as well. Don't worry. It's just yeah, yeah. my my gra- I, I'm I'm the opposite of you. I have like four shelves of graphic novels and then a tiny one of, of books and most of, most of them are my wives. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's, uh, like I said, that's a, it, it, it's a legitimate book medium that I think uh, will only get more like bigger in terms of once people realize that it does have that extra depth to it, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Like I, I borrowed one off a friend of the show, Zamet, Joel mm-hmm. Zamet, uh, Day Tripper, which I thought was- Oh, I love that book. Just Fabio Moon, Gabrielle Beautiful. Bar. Yep. That's yeah, a, that's that's, that, that's yeah. anyone could read that and be like, "This is genuinely like a moving piece of art. Like it's beautiful." So my like specialty is like uh, for for Western comics is like crime crime comics. Um, so if you ever need, if you ever want a crime comic fix, I can I can hit you up with about ten different recommendations. <laughs> I've that's my favorite. Stray Bullets, one of my favorite ongoing series. Criminal <laughs> is it- an amazing <laughs> anthology by two. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I, look, you I, I, when, when you start when you start a podcast that I'm on. Pull out a pen and paper, and by the end of the episode, you'll have fifty things that I've recommended to you and have said that they're the best thing ever. Because I just no, yeah, no, I, I useless. I, I take in so much, and I just like all of it pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always, I'm always like that's actually part of the reason with this show as well that I've got. It's like when people come on, and I, there's so much pressure to pick one, but I always feel like because anyone can pick fifty, it's like it takes actual thought to pick one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, as in, because we all like lots of different things, but it's like. To put that pressure on and be like, okay, well, yeah, then like, let's think about this a bit more. So, I guess in that note, let's let's talk about that for us for a bit, and we'll still weave in with everything else. So, uh, your book of choice for today, if you want to say, it. Uh, yeah. So it is a novel called Exit West. So it's by Mozin Hamid uh, from Pakistan. Um, it's his fourth novel, um, and it is one of two books that aren't actually comics that I've read in the last year. <laughs> and I read five hundred to a thousand. Um, like not just comics, I mean like complete runs of comics a year, I think. So <laughs> I read thousands of comics, like issues a year for sure. But uh, yeah, t- two actual books. One one of them was Holes, again, recommended by my wife. Um, you know, the, the, the Shia LaBeouf Disney movie, Holes. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever read the, the, the novel that it was based on? The movie, right. the movie sucks, but, but um, the book, which is by like Louis Sachar, Sachar, um, is so tight. It's like a r- unbelievably good young adult novel. Highly recommend. Really? It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a yeah. It, it, so it's young adult. It's not like kids. Novels. I mean, it's like everybody. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. a book that like I think once you hit ten, you can read, and then you if you I'm sure a ninety year old person would also read it, enjoy it too. Very, it's a very classic feeling kind of book, and it's so tight. Like all these things are introduced throughout it, and they all come to. Like it's just such a great ending to a to a book, and I feel like right, the, right. the a lot of it is missed in the um in the movie. Yeah, there's nothing but. I mean, everything. It's just about setup and payoff. Is just everything. Yes, like definitely. If you set it yeah. up, then pay that thing off, and that's so satisfying when it does. Well, okay, so so well, you didn't have to pick one you'd read in the last year. You could have gone back further, but you picked <laughs> Exit West as the one to go with. So yeah, well, th- this this was a book that like. I know. I feel like when you watch it, when I watch a movie I love or read a comic that I love, it's all I want to talk about um, for you know months, sorry, days or, or weeks, maybe maybe months afterwards. And uh, this is the only book that I've really got that from. Oh, granted, I haven't read many of them in the last couple of years, but this mm. book was this stayed in my head for a long, long time. I think you know when you hear like, oh, this book, 
Have you heard of this? But you heard of this book before I um, mentioned it? No, uh, but I did do a bit of a quick search of it. Uh, I've read one of this guy's other books, actually, How to Get Rich, Filthy Rich in Rising Asia, but not this one. Yes. Actually, yeah. so just to give a quick background before we talk about it, uh, in summary, basically, uh, this book is essentially, it sort of starts off as a love story between these two characters in an unnamed foreign country. And then there's a crisis there and they want to escape. So they want to escape. And the way they escape in this book is a sort of magical realist sort of element where there's magic doors that you walk through that immediately transport you to another place. So- but the other place is always, from what my understanding, it's other places in the real world. It's not. Yes, like that's right. They go to. And so I didn't know so. that element of it when I when I read the book. My wife didn't tell me. She was just she, and she didn't either when she started the book either. Um, she just like I think you know there are those perceptions. You know, it's a Pakistani author, and you, I knew it was about a refugee crisis, and I knew it was set during a civil war, and so I thought it was like a love story between refugees during a civil war and didn't think it was going to be more than that like but my I knew my wife loved it so I, I thought oh cool well, I'm, I'm struggling myself in for a great story and it isn't until like maybe a quarter of the way through because they're always talking about the need to escape as like people close to them um get you know hurt or killed um during during the war um that they, they keep talking about like the, the need to escape and one of the characters mentions to the other, like, you know, oh, there's a, there's a door. There's, there's, there's a rumors of this door that we can escape through. And when they mention it, that there's no suggestion that it's like, I guess you I, maybe you, you visualize like, oh, maybe there's a wall that they can't get past and this door is the, a secret door that they can get through to get to the other side of the wall. I don't know how this, how this you know, how this country that they're in, they, they have a name it. I don't know what the rules are. But then when, you, when they suddenly get transported, um, teleported, I, it's like that that surprise. This book is actually a, sci- a sci-fi novel, and it's unlike any other sci-fi novel you've ever read before. Um, and it's about it still is about refugees, but it's like this like what if the way to escape was like it's not so much like you know you don't have to sell all of your belongings and possessions to get a ticket on an extremely dangerous boat and then spend weeks at sea and and risk your life. Um, you know, for for a long period of time, only to get to a destination where you may not be welcome. This is removes that part of the the, the journey for a, for a refugee. They they go through the door and then they're immediately transported to another place. Um, that in in the in the world where the civil war that they escape from isn't a problem. However, our characters learn that there are problems, and they're all based on. You know, some, sometimes these affluent areas just suddenly have a door open up in them and, uh, you know, uh, people from different countries, um, from war-torn countries pile in. And how does that affect the economy and, and, and the, the quality of living for everyone in, in those areas? It's a fascinating book. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's not, I, I, I was going to say thinly veiled immigration story, but it's not thinly veiled. It's an immigration, it's literally that's, that's about, like, yeah, no, it, and it, it's refugee. It's a refugee yeah. story, like, and, essentially. And there are so many comparisons to, like, you know, the Syrian war that was going on. This book came out in 2017. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, you immediately think, I guess, given the fact that, you know, the, one of the main characters' names is Saeed and he's clearly uh, Muslim. Um, I think, you know, yeah, you, your mind immediately, you know, assumes that this is a book about, about Syria or something close to Syria. So, when it pulls the, the rug out or whatever the phrase is, like, I, I, yeah, this, this, this book absolutely blew my mind. And it maintains a level of spirituality throughout it. Um, and I just love that, you know, he, and here's, here's the, 
the biggest problem with with comic books and canon that we were talking about earlier is that <laughs> like a lesser book would explain how the technology in these doors works. But this book doesn't. You don't need to. It's just this fantastical element in this book that allows the story to go to a crazier place that a at one set in, in in pure reality wouldn't be able to travel to. Well, yeah, it sounds like it, it, it's it's by doing it, it's focusing very much on a specific element of the refugee experience um, in like a shortcut kind of way, it sounds like, because it's really skipping. It's going straight to what is it like when they get to this new place and what is it like for them in terms of interacting with the people around them as refugees. Um, yeah, that kind of sounds like that's the angle. That's the focus it wants to do of the entire yeah, experience. Yeah, instead in the challenge becomes like, am I ready to leave everything behind and step into the unknown? Which, you know, is mm. also like extremely stressful to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and it, like, I guess we can timestamp this episode as well by saying uh, we just had the American election yep. uh, a week ago of 2020. So now we've got uh, Joe Biden. George, I'm, I'm really sorry Trump lost, buddy. I know you were... Uh... <laughs> You're trying to make that canon as well, are you? <laughs> I mean, no, that's uh, look. I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm getting day by day. Uh, look, he's still. Got, I've still got his tweets. So you know, I've got that. Oh, really? Twitter's trying their yeah. hardest to, to to block them and, and mute them as much as possible. I love. They're that. trying their best. I love when you go funny, on like, his on his Twitter account and it's just like you can't see this one. You can't see this one. It's this is a lie. This one is also a lie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it must be making outrageous. him so angry. <laughs> You'd like, he just let me lie. Let me lie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's pretty, but like, the reason I bring that up is because, uh, obviously, that, uh, that that's the kind of thing that has elements in terms of uh, a story like this is the political policies of different people in how to act on it. Oh, so, and books like these are so important because they, like, you know, give a face and a context to refugees that. Maybe, you know, if you live in, like, suburbs of a Western country, these aren't problems that you need to think about beyond, like, your immediate reaction to a news story. This humanizes the idea of a refugee, and I think these kind of books are so important for people to read. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 100%. It gives you that element which maybe you you 
don't avoid actively, but you're kind of like, ah, it's not in front of me, so I'm not going to really think about it. Um, I guess the question I was kind of kind of rounding about to is like, so are you re- relatively political in that sense? Or do you feel like, do you have strong opinions on this kind of stuff? I mean, like, look, I think anyone that engages with with culture of any kind in, in 2020 is inherently political. I know there's like a such a massive wave of... You know, I love video games and like you you see the second anyone who is in the world of video games that is vaguely political, the the, the outcry of babies that are like, don't make this, don't bring politics into this, stick to video games. Like it's so pathetic. You know, the, the, every mm. every story, like honestly, every story is in, is inspired by politics and, and, and by the, the world around them and, and the decisions that world leaders have made to insp- to, to create the world that the, the writer is living in at that time. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I, that is an extremely long wind way, way of saying, of course, I'm very, I'm very, look, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm political, but I'm also relatively understanding of, of how people think certain ways for sure. As in, yeah, you understand of how maybe they can be for whatever reason, thinking a different way to what you do. Have you got friends who maybe come across from different? Look, as I said that, I, I don't understand how anyone. And look, I'm, I'm sorry if you, this this is me describing you. I don't under, I don't understand how people under the age of like 40 could be conservative. Like I don't understand how you could have your entire life ahead of you and be like, I'm going to be the opposite of progressive. Um, and like, I it, it's I think it is like maybe it is the the influence of of parents. And like, I know that is me describing like someone in Western culture who is conservative. I do understand when people from different cultures, um, from a religious point of view or like from that close family background, I understand how that could influence you being more conservative. Uh, yeah. Like I I said, I try my hardest. Why wouldn't that apply to Western culture? To Western culture? I just, I think like, I don't know. Like, I guess when you, I mean, as an Australian, um, Mm -hmm. I I see what our you know what what both sides of uh, of 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 the you know the the, the current the current prime prime minister and the opposition and, and I I see what you know Scott Morrison our prime minister at the moment is like uh, he's not just religious he's like he he's religious his religion is the one that makes the most from tax handouts from the government and is like that you know horrible Hillsong. Uh, I'm, I, I live not far from like the main uh, like Hillsong Church in in Sydney, and I'm, I'm like I'm. It is like a profoundly like a uh, you know profitable religion. It's like that you know Righteous Gemstones, that awesome HBO show from last year about like the kind of like you know evangelical American you know uh, those those super profitable mega churches. It's that's that's our version of that, and uh, mm. it's it's baffling to me that like his values are so in line with that church. And it's so, I don't know, I, I don't, I just, yeah, it, it, I think younger people have less excuse to be hateful pieces of shit. <laughs> and so when they, uh, when they're, they're, they kind of decide, oh no, I'm going to, you know, align myself with the hateful piece of shit party. It's hard to be understanding of that. Yeah. Look, I, I, I find uh, it hard to be understanding of that. Well, no, it's a, firstly, I love how you warn, you're like, in case this is you, and then by the end of it, you're like the hateful piece of shit. So, 
You, you managed to maintain that for a little bit. Uh, I feel like I'm getting attacked here a little bit for no reason. But uh, Am I? I'm, you, I'm not describing you. <laughs> no, no, you're not at all. No. But I'm just saying you're keeping like, in case this is you, because you look like that could be you. Oh, no, I meant your <laughs> listeners. I meant your listeners. Ah, uh, listeners. I'm all right, insulting okay, right, your right. listeners. It's fine, oh, George. Okay, not you. right. That's different. <laughs> well, I mean, so I guess to go into that, because, yes, in terms of the book being political, did you grow up like, do you did you come to these views late? Were you always kind of active in that? Um, in kind of the views, or are you kind of like a bit late to the party, but now things have gotten so ridiculous that you're like, well, guys, come on, this is well. This uh, is I mean, silly. Like, were your parents political at all? Well, my parents like are religious. Are my parents are. I was raised oh, Catholic, okay. and I went to a Catholic primary school and a Catholic high school, and um, I had a pretty positive time at both of those schools, and I th- I learnt, you know, the lessons and teachings of Jesus, which are like, you know, they are. Their books, their stories, and their stories about learning to accept other people, and and their stories about you know doing the right thing by others, and I I, I like those stories. I think they're good stories, but they are stories, and uh, uh, I I think those lessons though, like you know, I I don't think it's too difficult to be raised religious and then be like, cool, I'm not really religious anymore, but I do like those stories and I do like being good to other people. Um, and so when you are like, I was at that age of like being a teenager and being aware of, you know, uh, either like, uh, differences in like, yeah, I guess like the problems faced by, uh, people immigrating to Australia or first nations people in Australia and the issues faced by them. Um, and I think, you know, when you are that age, like activism is fucking cool, right? Like, you, you know, I remember when I was in year 10, there was a big, you know, for Reconciliation Day, which is, you know, a, a movement for for Australian, the Australian government to officially apologise to the um, First Nations and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, particularly Aboriginal people, and, uh, like, I guess start the conversation of of, um, of treaty and maybe even potentially reparations. Um, and there was a big walk um, across the Harbour Bridge. And I remember me and, like, you know, like 50 people from my school were, like, getting up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning and spending most of our weekend walking over the bridge. And, like, oh, wasn't it cool? Like, I, and I guess, you know, as you get older, you're you're aware of, like, oh, there are things that I could do that are way more helpful than, than walking over a bridge. But I think it is, like, it's easy to kind of understand why activism is important and, like, why it, it is important to kind of be empathetic to other people. Yeah. This, is, this is not what That's I thought. A- I was not what I thought I'd be spending this episode talking about. This is why I talk about comics instead of everything. <laughs> we else. got that. Nah, we got you, baby. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> this always, right, we'll, we'll talk about this. We still got to talk about DJing as well. But just quickly on this, though, I guess one of the things I find interesting is. Um, I mean, you were the one that chose the book, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I chose chose a cool sci-fi book that has been bought by the Russo brothers and is going to be executive produced by the Obamas to be turned into a movie with Riz Ahmed. (laughs) That's what I learned today. I was like, yeah, I picked a cool book no one's ever heard of. Oh, wait, the Russo brothers are turning it into a movie. Okay. Okay. um, The Russo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, they're the ones who directed uh, Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. Uh, and the paintball episodes community. of Community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very important. So they, they know what they're doing. You know, like, oh, damn it. Like, the, the, the guys who made the two biggest movies of the, of the ever are, are making this what I thought was a cool book that no one had heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and funded by the Obamas. And you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're surprised. Actually, I, I think expecting. my wife my wife bought this book because uh, Obama recommended it on his end of year list. In like twenty. All right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Obama. Don't get me started on that. Thanks, guy. Obama, for this book recommendation. <laughs> Ugh. Um, but to, to go back uh, just quickly to that before we move on, I guess uh, the only question I would say, because you're talking about how it's funny because you said, ah, oh, I can understand how people not from Western countries can be religious and then switch their view. But I can't understand some from Western countries because basically it sounds like because you grew up in a religious household and you switched away from it. So I love how you're basically saying, you're like, I get it here, but those people over there with their backgrounds, I don't understand. So it's like, no, 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 no I, I'm saying disconnect I, there a little bit. I'm just, I'm just saying like I, when, where the majority of your country isn't already progressive, I understand mm. why you would perhaps lean conservative. Right, I thought I thought you meant in terms yeah. of the religious background. So I guess the question: uh, Are your parents uh, conservative? I guess. Um, I mean, I guess not. No, they, they vote green, so definitely not. Oh, <laughs> but, really? But, okay. my, but but then if you go one more generation <laughs> above that, then my grandparents yeah. absolutely are conservative, and like occasionally, like you know, will express beliefs that I have to smack my head. They're too old now to reprimand. You know what I mean? Uh, you yeah. know, just. Uh, just, I mean, how often do you engage in conversations with your grandparents about, like, I don't know, same-sex marriage and immigration? Uh, did you do you do you do that knowing you're going to like the answers they're going to give you? Or, <laughs> uh, look, it's it's no, well, fun, my my grandparents are all dead, but uh, my parents grew up in a very different time because they both grew up in Greece, and uh, they're they're a lot like most people's grandparents in terms of some of their views. But at the same time, I don't know, the conversations can be. Not completely. Maybe not as bad as grandparents, because grandparents might have a level of cockiness that parents <laughs> won't have in a way. I don't yeah, know. And my grandparents uh, get like- the Telegraph delivered every day, and they spend all day reading it and doing nothing else. So when when uh, any ex- any attempt to talk sense about certain issues with them is just lost because of their their influence, you know. Okay. Yeah. No, that does make it Telegraph is a is exactly. a very conservative. It's re- it's the Rupert Murdoch newspaper. Um, mm. Yeah, the worst. And it's like the the. The, the less hidden one. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're very, very outright about being hateful pieces of shit. The aforementioned yeah, yeah. Well, hateful pieces of shit. <laughs> isn't, wait, is Sydney Morning Herald owned by Murdoch as well? No, that's um, uh, Fairfax. That's Fairfax? Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. Because you write for the Sydney Morning Herald. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take a job for Telegraph. I don't, I don't like Telegraph. Oh, you wouldn't even do it as like a, just to make a bit of extra coin? Look, maybe in a year that wasn't COVID, I definitely wouldn't. But maybe this yeah. year, maybe this, no, no. Look, the times aren't that bad yet. Who knows? Who knows what twenty twenty one will bring, though, George? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what, what what values of my own I'll have to sell out? It's <laughs> <laughs> so quick. Just before yeah, my kids are old the- enough to be disappointed in me. <laughs> Yeah, you want to get in early now before they really know. <laughs> yeah. Just I can just imagine a year from now there's a Levin's article. Why immigration is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no magic doors, no any doors, thank you. But like, like to give you an idea of like, you know, the level of like political I think you know, the way that poli- like everything is inherently political. Like I'm a food writer, but I write for the, the Sydney Morning Herald in, in, in the good food section, I pretty much only write every story I write about for the for the for the food section is actually about immigration because I write about places in the western suburbs of Sydney that are owned by like you know first, second, third grade immigrants that like have brought their their country's food and culture to Australia and have been selling it to to people in Sydney for you know the last decade. I think you know, even 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 though I'm saying like, hey, this banh mi or this kebab is is phenomenal food. Like, I think by focusing on those people and telling their story, reminding people that these everyday items that they can purchase are are brought to you because of refugees and immigration. Um, I think that 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 makes a, a that 
that food writing political too. I mean, it, yeah, basically. Like, I mean, that, and that's the whole point of like, keep your politics out of anything. Everything's politics. Like, yeah. everything is political by its very nature. It's literally impossible. Even by saying I'm not being political, like you're, that's you taking a stance of being like, so basically I'm sweet with whatever the status quo is right now. Like, is it that's <laughs> by saying, let's not be, yes. let's not say anything, guys. Let's do anything. It's like, okay, so you're fine right now with everything. So that's basically, you are being political with that action. Same thing as like, there's no such thing as neutral. There's just, I like things how they are. So I'm neutral on this. It's like, oh yeah, man. The ne- no- neutral people have been the, the bane of my existence this year. This morning I saw someone that I go, go to my gym. He posted, politics is just as divisive as religion. Just be a good person. And that was two days ago. He was like, I hope Trump wins. I'm like, but what if the person that you want to win is, is uh, by definition, not a good person? How does that, like, you know, where do you draw the line? And what, what stops you from being a good person? Yeah, well, that's okay, exactly. It's it's the classic. Uh, the, people trot out these truisms at times when they want to avoid talking about the actual thing they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But that's. It's like, um, all right, yeah, so you, yeah. yeah sorry, How dare you make me think about this thing that I claimed on Facebook longer than two seconds, you know? Yeah. And as soon as it gets him, it's like, whoa, whoa, guys, can't we just get along? <laughs> now that... I, right? But, but like, like, you know, but I, I'm also extremely critical of of the left, which, you know, I obviously am. But like, you know, I, I think there are, there are issues that are much lesser than others, like in the bigger scheme of things that I think, you know, I see peers spend way too much time and energy on. I don't want to give example because mm. I don't want to, you know, I, I could I could be wrong in, in my assessment of that. And I'm, I'm not denying No way. That. Mate, give the <laughs> examples and go hard. I've got, I'm so passionate about this that like, you've got to get take the bigger issues. You've got to work yourself up. You've got to do the biggest issues first. And then that doesn't mean you're dismissing these other issues, but it just means you've got to put them in line. Like uh, one that I've been dealing with recently in my head. And I actually don't know if I've mentioned this to people before, how it will come across. But basically anytime, and this is such a petty point, but- Anytime I see, because especially comedians love doing it during Melbourne Cup, they're all like, "Stop up to the cup, stop the cup." It's horse racing's bad and all that. My my gut reaction is, if you write that anywhere and you eat meat, then you're a complete hypocrite liar. Like as in, you're you're not at all placing things in the right context because the food industry is so much worse. Like the meat industry, factory farming, is easily, inarguably, a billion times worse than horse racing. Like, cause in these 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 animals are literally tortured from the second they're born till they die. Like, yeah, they don't experience no, I, anything. I, I so it's would like, never say you're wrong about that for sure. Yeah, and that, that's that, so. Whenever I say, I'm like, I, my, and the reason again, it's good that you're doing any cause, but at the same time, it's like this really feels like you wouldn't be saying anything if this wasn't about standing out, social capital. Like, it it reduces the thing itself in a way. That's my yeah. view of that. I eat a lot less meat now than I did a couple of years ago, but like my my wife's pescatarian as of last year. I don't cook meat at home anymore, and I guess my kids are more aware. Like you know, when you when you have kids, their favorite food is ham. <laughs> like just, just, no matter where you know, if ham is available, it's their favorite food. It's salty and slimy, and kids love it. Um, uh, but my son is six now, and we went we went to a Thai restaurant the other night, and um and my wife eats fish, so I ordered like um like a fried rice with prawns in it for the kids, and they were eating it, and suddenly my son started like. 
I could tell something was wrong and I, I made a joke. I said, like, you know, what's wrong after you sad about eating your best friend? And then he just burst into tears and then he was like, why do we eat animals? Like, I just want animals to be my friends. I, I, I don't want to eat animals anymore. And I was like, okay, let's, we won't eat animals anymore. And like, so I like, wow. I had, we had all these people over for, over for, for lunch yesterday and I was going to cook a prawn curry and I changed it all. So you ended up doing a chickpea curry and roast veggies and, you know, like, and, and, you, you know, when you put the, the same amount of effort into, a meal that you would, I don't know, like if, if you put the effort in, you don't miss meat. Like, it's very easy to make meals that are, like, exceptional without meat. And uh, mm. I think, yes, yeah, so I, I mean, look, I, I am already on the way to um, to, to eating eating less meat. I'm, but, and I, 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 while I have, like, too big FOMO, like, I'm always, because I'm obviously being a food writer as well, I, 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 could I, just doubt I, could, I doubt I could ever be fully vegetarian or vegan. My sister is vegan. I, I think I'm, I want to make my impact by, by eating less meat overall, for sure. But mm. it looks like my kid at this point, I mean, everyone goes through that like teenage moment where they don't want to eat meat for a while. But at six years old, I don't know. He spoke, he spoke with a lot of conviction as well. I don't want to be that, that parent that's like, oh, shut up. You know, just fucking eat the sausage, dickhead. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Which is clearly how I was raised. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I don't, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Having said that, I have eaten horse. <laughs> when, I, when I was in Japan, I ate horse. So. <laughs> no, no, well, I should clarify. I eat meat all the time. And even with your cooking thing, I agree. Everyone should have less. But fried chicken is just so delicious. <laughs> I love fried chicken so much. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. That's, that's hey, fried cauliflower is fucking awesome too. You just got to put the same amount of effort into it. I'm Look, I'm sure it's... No, I've ha- I've had some good. I've had some really good faith. I made a, a celeriac. That's that big weird rooty thing that celeriac grows from. So, sorry, that celery grows from. Um, and you you cut it into slices and you deep fry it, and it's a schnitzel. And you would be very surprised at how like like somewhere between fish and chicken, like the the consistency of the the flesh of the of the vegetable is. It's crazy. All right. Well, that's pretty good. And I think and uh, yeah. It's only going to get better, that stuff, as people more and more people do the switch. You're just going to have more and more people realizing all these ways to make it just as delicious. Um, with a little yeah, no, absolutely. Effort. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's, yeah. So like, it's, it's funny. It sounds like you're, 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 on a, you're, you're, you're on a progression of just getting more and more ultra liberal from your grandparents <laughs> to your parents to you to your kids. I know, it's man. Just- yeah, yeah. He's going to be on a podcast <laughs> 20 years from now going, oh, my fucking militant father. Uh, you know. <laughs> My alt right yeah. dad, <laughs> yeah, writing for Fairfax, one of the major papers. Yeah, yeah, he may as well be writing for Breitbart. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that is a uh, well. So, so I guess the the reason that's interesting is like so immigration itself is like yeah, you deal with it day to day because you see the food and stuff that people bring in. Um, is that like one of the bigger topics that you kind of are in, engaged in? I guess a little bit because of that, you reckon? Like I just one. I, I guess you know. I, I think I, I think food is is definitely a, an important stepping stone on the, on the way to like acceptance of other cultures for, for for a lot of people. Like you know, I I, I you'd have a lot of. I, I'm sure you wouldn't have much trouble finding um, you know someone who had a problem with with Middle Eastern prob- people and the idea of them living in the same country as them. But like you would be hard pressed to find someone who hates kebabs, you know. And like I think that connection. Of or falafel, you know, or like, you know, hummus or like, you know, like the food that Middle Eastern people, you know, brought to Australia, like that, that we don't have those things that we've accepted as part of the Australian lifestyle without the people who made them to begin with. And I think mm. that those accepting that those food, that food, came, you know, food and then obviously music, culture, films, books, it's all part of the stepping stone of, 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 of acceptance for sure. 
Yeah, I guess food's actually probably the the early because yeah, it is everywhere. Everyone is eating everything. Um, yeah, totally. Already, I guess so everyone, it, like everyone, everyone is eating it. Every culture wants to find the cheapest version of the food. You know, it's there. There are, there are so many like you know easy comparisons to make between cultures when it comes to food. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess that, that side as well. You have got the unifying thing. Like everyone's got their street food, and everyone's got their nicer version, fancy of that sort stuff. Of stuff. Yeah. All right. Nice. That's a there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the uh, I, I, I do want to ask about the uh, writing side of things. So, because you've got you, your own book that you brought out, a kids' book and a cookbook. When was the kids' book brought out? Kids' book came out in March this this year, the week before we went into lockdown. No, so the week we went into lockdown. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it was the week after, the week after we went into lockdown. So it's all of Australia went into oh, lockdown, right, and I was like, hey, everyone, my book came out. You can get it in stores. <laughs> Um, and I think online sales did really well, but yeah, there were, there were, there were a few uh, lonely copies of my book Nelson Pumpkins and Aliens sitting in the uh, the, the aisles at Target for a while. Um, All right, so you got them into Target. Yeah, well, uh, Penguin published it, so it's uh, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, well, how did you? Had, that's pretty for your first book, isn't that? Um, oh, I, I, I got I, I got poached. Um, there's a there, I guess there was like a gap in the market for um, for books for boys um, between six and ten. Um, even though I feel like there's so many, but I guess that, that, that age and that, that, that group, that's a very, they, they consume so many books, um, and they just want more, 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 more series, you know? Mm. Um, and so, um, a, a friend of mine who worked at Penguin, um, had been following my work as a writer, like, you know, reading my articles and stuff like that. And knowing that I was a father and just kind of put two and two together and was like, oh, Levens could probably write a funny, funny book for, for, for boys. And uh, I did, and I s- secretly snuck in. Um, besides the main character, all the other characters are, are women or girls. <laughs> so, all right, yeah. Well, um, so sucked in, boys. <laughs> you're reading a book with so many females in it. Yeah, yeah. So that one was called. Yeah, the first one was called Nelson Pumpkins and Aliens, and it's about a boy named Nelson who, um, more than anything else in the universe, hates the idea of eating vegetables. Um, in fact, like just the thought of uh, thought of eating one makes him want to vo- throw up in his mouth. And uh, he learns um, uh, when he finally does, when he finally is forced to eat vegetables, he finds out that they give him superpowers. So he's kind of like Popeye, but if Popeye like hated and, and, and threw up every time he had to eat spinach. Um, and also every every vegetable, so every book is, is called Nelson something and something, like, you know, a vegetable and something else. And uh, uh, each, every vegetable gives him a different um, superpower. All right, nice. The second one is about the second one is called Broccoli and Spies, and the third one, which comes out next September, number two comes out in January. Uh, number three comes out in in September, and it's called um, uh, uh, Eggplants and Dinosaurs. Um, All right, yeah, and it's uh, it's been man, so it's a crazy process. I, mean, I working in the music industry for so long, I was used to like albums taking a long time, but wasn't prepared for how long it takes to uh, for a book to to be. To take like you know even just the writing part of it, but then like you're submitting it, the editing process takes months. Um, then you have to wait a few more months for the um, the illustrations to come through. Then they like put it all together, and they do another edit editing process, and then like it, it gets printed for like two three months. It's crazy. It takes a long time. Um, yeah, so it's not like active over those time, but it just takes a while for those different steps to kind of. Happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a very active stage of book three now, which is my least favorite stage, which is when you've submitted the book and then you get the first edit suggestions back and they're like you know oh this this chapter is too short this character is 
like unnecessary. Uh, there's too many jokes. There's not enough jokes in this part. There's you know there's there's too much violence. Get rid of the violence. Like just like all those suggestions like that, and you have to like really. You get really protective. You're like, oh, this book, you know, all these parts are as important as the other parts. But, um, yeah, you, you, you gradually just go, oh, <laughs> fuck it. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to kill your darlings and all that. I think that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm guessing practice, probably the first one you felt that more. And then as you've gone along, you become more, like, understanding of the editing and how it's required. Yeah. I mean, actually, I have to admit the second one was the hardest one um, because I think I like uh, the first edit I turned in of that it just wasn't what they were expecting. And so, I, I got, like, essentially notes that were, like, you know, half of this needs to be rewritten. And so, I, I without – they were kind of – it was more like, a, a you know, a few paragraphs of, like, where they thought the story could go or what they thought was missing as opposed to in this chapter you could add this, in this chapter you could add that. So, it was much more broad. And so, that was, like – like months of going, like I don't want to do it, but I ended up doing it. You know, it's fine. Yeah, don't it. Yeah, and yeah. do you, do you feel now with a bit of distance that maybe it was a? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, like, I yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a combination of being protective and then also being lazy. You're like, no, no, I've already handed it in. It's done. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a big part of it, yeah. actually, as well. Nice. No, and I just had a curiosity, like, where, where did the idea just pop up, or was there something? Was it, is there a cool story about that, or is it just eh, you just kind of think about it and settled on this as an idea? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I guess I've, I guess obviously I thought, you know, I have to write something about that, that that can pull on my life experience from, and you know, it was either music or food. I used to have a restaurant um, about like eight years ago. Um, oh really? Yeah. Well, hence you the cook, hence the cookbook. <laughs> um, so you lost you lost the slash along the way. You didn't just add Yeah, well, yeah, I I think yeah, did you did you mention part-time chef when you were making fun of slashies earlier because I was one. No, I didn't. <laughs> um yeah, I, I people still describe me as an ex-chef. I mean, I, technically I cook, I just not professionally. But uh yeah, I kind of like I just thought of like I, I you know, also as a as a dad and and thinking of problems that all parents face, it's picky eaters. Uh, my kids are really good. Like, you know, my kids eat lentils and, and chickpeas three meals a week, you know. So, they, when I was a kid, that was like the most disgusting idea ever. Um, and they're just like, they just accept things for norm. My, my son is developing his chili intolerance, like all his chili tolerance. Like, you know, it's, it, it, they're, they are very good eaters. But um, I, I thought, mm. why not write about it like the pickiest eater ever? Because I just find that that um that trait in people like one of the most annoying things in the world like when a full grown adult like refuses to eat vegetables or whatever like it's just so embarrassing i'm embarrassed for them it's, yeah <laughs> it's so ridiculous i can't even yeah I, I even like i don't have kids so i cannot sit here and judge i've seen lots of people with kids and like just starve them if they don't eat the food <laughs> don't let them tell you what to eat no totally no you actually do have to be like yeah you can have the thing you like but first you have to have two two mouthfuls of this thing that you say you hate because i know all you need to do is get used to it and then you won't hate it and and then you know it'll just be a part of your diet you have to be mm. like you have you can't just be like you know a, a fucking pushover parent all the time you have to be a little bit like no 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 you know do this this thing for me and then i'll do the thing for you and that's like that mm. i guess i think that is a big part of why the kids eat eat everything now I think so, like, it's, and I get it because, like, sometimes it's like, oh, I can't be bothered dealing with how annoying they're going to be as I fight for this right now. But it's like, but the long-term damage is so much longer. Like, just just put up with it for the day. But that, again, I don't have kids, so I can I can sit say that comfortably, sitting in my comfortable single house alone with silence, where I can poop without anyone banging on the doors or anything like that. So <laughs> I can't judge that. Um, okay, uh, I guess. Look, I. 
just because I do, let's do it quickly before we close off. Um, just the DJing thing. I'm just so curious because you actually DJ, you did festivals and you do clubs, obviously not this year. Um, did that? Like is that sounds like a lot of fun, I guess. But there is a certain age you get to where you've got kids and stuff, and you're probably like, I don't want to be out until three a.m. Oh, doing like this. I, or- I never get sick of like being, you know, one of the main reasons people are enjoying themselves when they go when they're out. You know, I love, I love because uh, like for the most part, like I'll just kind of I, I start at like nine p.m. and then I'll DJ till three a.m. in a nightclub. You know, and so you really get to kind of like dictate the mood of the room for the entire night. You know, you bring everyone up, bring them back down, you know, play some throwbacks, like have everyone sing along, then play a bunch of stuff they'd never heard of before and see how that works. I, I never get tired of that. It's, you know, it's it, the, the, the side of DJing that's boring is when you're playing earlier to no one who cares. Um, you know, when, when you are playing out late at night in a nightclub full of people, that's never boring. Yeah, because a lot of energy and stuff. And like now you settle down, but I'm guessing before you'd settle down, it would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> in lots yeah, of yeah. Ways. Look, man, I, it's still super fun. Like you know, and I still like you know, I, I still have a few drinks sometimes. Like, you know, I, it's when you do it every time. You know, I, I treat it. I treat it like a job. It's an extremely fun job. Um, mm. But but you know, jobs even all, all, all jobs have parts of them that suck. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, at the moment, uh, my job is to play background music to a rooms of people that aren't allowed to dance <laughs> uh, because COVID has just made my job ridiculous. <laughs> Oh wait, so because you're in, you're based in Sydney, yeah. Um, what well, they don't have, they don't, they, there's no dancing stuff yet. They're, they're, they're not no, that happen. no. You you can you're you're meant to maintain 1.5 meters between people that you don't know. Um, so you 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 stay to your table. You have your drinks. You know you you're sitting down, but I'm playing music, and you know you okay, can yeah. you, you can throw me a thumbs up if you like, and that's like that's it for your interaction for the night. You know. <laughs> That does sound a lot less exciting. Okay, I'll be. <laughs> that does sound a bit dull. Um, okay, cool. I think that's uh, probably good for today. Um, In conclusion, you- Exit West, great book. <laughs> yeah, I know we've kind of jumped around a bit, but that's how this always goes. Oh, actually, it was a love story. Did you have a? Did, did where did you meet your wife? Now I'm guessing in a nightclub, uh, dude. She was a nightclub, nightclub promoter, and I was a DJ. It's a it's a love story that's that maybe a- I should write about one day. <laughs> A Disney movie waiting to happen. <laughs> Tale as old as time. <laughs> uh, just probably with more illicit substances involved. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll call, we'll call it off there. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks, George. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sanspants Radio, then why not subscribe to sanspantsplus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's sanspantsplus.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.